Number one, we boldly hold the Bible above culture, traditions, and opinions. If it's in the Bible, we're going to preach it. And if it, if it steps on people's toes, I'm going to apologize because we're aiming for your heart, not your toes. We're here to change lives. Number two, we share the gospel in every way we can with everyone we can. We, here in Columbus, Ohio, in worldwide missions, today after service, we're hosting a mission meeting for those that want to go to the Philippines and share the gospel. In any way we can, wherever we can, that's what we do. Thank God we had nine guests on the buses this morning. Praise God for that. That's what it's about. We are a growing family that makes every person feel loved at home. We might be grown, but we don't want to lose the fact that we are a family. We believe in everything that God has given us to do is worth doing with passion and excellence. We do it with passion, meaning we do it with zealousness, the way that God told us to do it. We are to be zealous. We are to do it with excellence. We do it right. We had a training class yesterday uh, with all of our, our children's workers coming together to be on the same page for policies and procedures and doing things right, decently in order. But also we do things relevant. We want to we be in touch and do things to reach our generation. Number five, we have no big shots. It's never about us. It's all about God. We serve God with humility. Our goal is to lift up Jesus Christ in all that we do, not us. And then we looked at last week, we give sacrificially while managing all of God's resources for his glory. Jesus gave his best. He gave his all. He told us to pick up our cross and follow him. And then we have the mindset that it's not a life of sacrifice. We give for the sake of others. And that's in the Bible. Next week, I'm going to launch into a series that's going to set the stage for 2017. We'll be unveiling this. We'll talk about it. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring you through why I feel like this is so important for us as a church. But today, we're going to finish up the core values, and I'll give you number seven and number eight. Number seven, we share life together purposefully engaging in meaningful relationships. We say this all the time, that our relationship with God is a relationship with God, not religious we don't walk into a room, sitting there looking at statues, candles, you know, re- repeating words and walking out feeling good because we did a religious thing. You have a relationship with God, which literally means he walks with you, he talks with you, he's there in the day, he's there in the night, he's there in church, and he's there at work. Amen. It's not an off and on thing. It's not a weekend thing. Man, when we're so big on that. And then Christ says, I'll tell you what, I died for the church, not just a relationship with you but a relationship with one another. I mentioned that as I was starting off about how we have way too many casualties. Why are there so many casualties? I'm going to tell you guys that there are Christians that are stronger. And then there's Christians that are new. There are Christians that are in the valley, that are going through a hard time. And there's some that are on top. There, there are some Christians that, that, that have studied this and they have some of the answers. And there's some Christians out there looking for the answers. And we've got to understand that God created the body of Christ to fill in all of those, to connect those that are on top with the ones that are down there and say, let me help you. Amen. For those that are struggling, that are searching and saying, man, I don't get this. For somebody else to say, well, then let me show you. You guys realize that what I'm talking about, that is the body of Christ. And I think what has ruined us is when we push so much about go to church, go to church, go to church, and not understanding that we're to be the church, be the church, be the church. It's not just about going to church. Church is a wonderful thing. But you think about why. Because we need each other. I'm, I'm telling you guys, we 
need each other. I, I did a message a while back, and that's why I'm, I'm going to be brief. I've done a number of messages on this. And I think even, I was pretty blunt with the last time I did this, I think I called the message, I need you. And I did it from personal perspective of telling you guys, I need you. And I'm telling you that you could look around this room and realize that you need every person in this room. You need, you need those people that are going to call you out and pick you up and push you forward. We need each other. This world is not easy. I'm not trying to be in town this morning, but it's not easy. If we went around the room right now, if I had a microphone and I went around the room and I said, what, what have you faced? And I'm, I'm, Pam, I'm not going to point you out. You're just right here. We talked the day before yesterday about one of your children having brain tumors and bad report and just dumped on you all at once. It's just, there's one example right here. We're, we're going to end the service with another example. And I, I, I could go around this room of prayer requests and problems and things like this. And you say, well, man, life is hard. I'll tell you, life is hard. I'll tell you what's hard is raising kids is hard. I, I remember um, being a youth pastor and the struggles that we would face. And then 10 years later after me being youth pastor, I'm looking back thinking, wow, there's a whole new wave of issues sweeping over our youth. And you've got parents that walk in the church and they're beat down and they're down and out and saying, my kid is questioning if there's even a God. And they're getting that stuff from school and they got them from friends and I'd love to pick them up and move to the mountains and put them in a bubble and take them from all of that. But I'll tell you guys, that's not the answer. Jesus said, you know, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be good to cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. That is the answer. Amen. It's not hiding. It's not even trying to make it. When God said, I'll give you the strength to overcome, means we're overcomers. But can I explain to you how we're overcomers? We're not overcomers because you say, I attend church or I go to a building. Well, what's going to be there when, when your marriage is struggling and, and you've been married for years and now all of a sudden you're facing problems that you never thought you would face or financial struggles or losing a job suddenly? or just simply getting discouraged. You might walk in the church, you might walk through those doors, and you might sit in a seat and walk out and you heard a song about how worthy the Lamb. You, you heard testimony about other people coming to know Christ. You saw prayer, but that doesn't change the need that you had in your life. And that's not to say that God does not speak to us. But can I tell you how God ministers to one another is through one another. I, I know that just, it's like, but it is true. So turning your Bibles to, to the book of um, Matthew with me, um, Matthew chapter 419, I want you to see this. I'm going to show you something so simple. I, I've got to keep it simple. Uh, I want to finish this up. I'm so excited about next week. I, I have, uh, we've been talking about this, planning this, praying through this, the, the whole thing for next week for a while. So be here next week. Don't, do not skip next week. Biblically, what I'm talking about, we could, we could call it a lot of things. Let me, let me show you one of them that we call this. So you hear this verbiage and you say, what, what is this about? Let me give you one of them. Matthew 4, 19, and he saith unto them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Twelve men that followed Jesus were called disciples. 
disciples. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four books that emphasize and talk about disciples. Twelve men following Jesus together. Did you get it? Twelve men following Jesus together. Jesus called twelve men purposely, side by side, ministering, going through good, going through the bad, side by side, together. We call it discipleship. Sometimes we call it fellowship. This is dear to our hearts because Pastor Denoff, 51 years ago, started a church. He called it Fellowship Baptist Church. From the very fiber, I, re- I remember Pastor and Mrs. Denoff telling us stories about the good times that they would have as they would have service. And I can't remember that you'd go over somebody's house and go to the basement, play games, and have like baloney sandwiches. I can't remember all the details, but I just remember. And Mrs. Denoff would say, you know, it wasn't fancy, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. It was just being together. It was fellowship. We weren't alone. We were starting a church and we, we were digging it out of nothing, but we were together. And there was a bond, there was a unity, there was a love. Let, let me read this core value to you again. We share life together purposefully engaging in meaningful relationships. Let me put it like this. Letter A. Biblical fellowship is intentional. It's not random. It does not just randomly happen. People say a lot, and I'm telling you, I'm just clearing the air because I get this. People come in and say, well, I'm not staying because I don't feel connected. Let let, let me show you something that Jesus did, okay? Matthew 4, 19, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Very, very simple principle that he did. So, let me do this. You, You got a minute? What are you doing? You follow me? Why? You're following Christ. You ask, and I asked you to follow me. That's right. So you're here with me right now. That's right. Because I asked you yes. if you would come be with me right now. Yes. I love you, buddy. You can be seated. <laughs> Next point. <laughs> I said that was dumb. Do, do you realize how Jesus would have been going through the crowds? Hello, everybody. I'm here to do great things. And, and, and he didn't just do that. He went up and was like, hey, uh, you, you, come here, come here. And you, come here, come here. And, and, he, and, and he called these people together into a group. And he got into a huddle and he said, guys, let's do something. Okay, let, let, let's do this together and I'm going to teach you. And guys, you're going to mess up. And Peter, you're really going to mess up. And Thomas, <laughs> you're probably not believing me right now. And, you know, just... He, he just went through this whole thing, but he intentionally, Amen. specifically, Amen. organized a group on purpose. I don't know any other words, synonyms to throw in there, but you get the point. It wasn't random. If you dare go to church anywhere and think that biblical fellowship is going to happen the way that it should happen, and you don't target it to happen, it's not going to happen But I promise you what will happen is a lot of casualties. Christians that get overlooked and Christians that get sucked into things and pulled in and the devil is a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, pulling Christians apart. And the thing is, when one of them fell, Peter fell, Jesus was right there going, come on, Peter, get back up. Thomas, that's not true. And they, they, they stay together as a group. People look at this in so many ways. 
And we quote Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in the manner it is. And we sit there and say, hey, that's church. You know what we think of when we think of church? And that is church without a doubt. That is church that's coming together. But a lot of times church is pastor to people. Pastor to people. But if you read the rest of the verse, but exhorting one another. It wasn't just pastor to people. It was people to people and row to row and person to person and dad to dad and mom to mom. That's what it was. Exhorting, calling near, closer to God, being involved in each other's lives. Wasn't just random. The church thing is a you thing. It's an us thing. It's a life thing. The the, the Bible says that I, I believe that the church should have ways to connect but let me remind everybody and, t- and tell you guys that you've got to hear what the Bible says in, in Proverbs 18 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know what that means? If, if God knows that you need friends, you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone to make some friends. Amen. And when God lays opportunity before you and says, hey, Here's an opportunity to connect and grow and get to know people and not be alone. You've got to show yourself friendly. Let me show you the second part. We talked about how it's intentionally. We we intentionally do this. But the Bible also meaning biblical fellowship is meaningful. Fellowship is the word that means community or joint participation or intimacy amongst people. There's a lot of different things, but it acts We see that the church had a bond. They continued together in fellowship and unity. And the church grew in meaningful meaning. And it's purposeful. It's significant. There's something that the Bible talked about. I I read in Matthew 8.14, which is just a couple of verses later after he said, follow me. Watch what Jesus does with the disciples. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his 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 wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. I know we look at that and we would preach the whole message about the healing touch of Jesus, which is absolutely true. But I love the fact that here they are walking around in a group and they were like, Peter was like, man, I'm having trouble at home. And Jesus said, well, let's go. Imagine walking through the door and it's like, who is this? Oh, that's Jesus, the one that gives life. I'll tell you, you're a little more excited about him than you would be any doctor. All of a sudden, you see Jesus making house calls. All of a sudden, you see Jesus in the lives of the people and Jesus smack in the middle of people's problems. Sometimes we like to hold problems to ourselves, don't we? It's like, well, I don't want anybody knowing about it. And, you know, I I, I keep it in myself. And thank God Peter didn't do that. I guarantee his mother-in-law were pretty glad that Peter didn't do that. It was on purpose. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacteth, by which every joint supplieth. Literally mean the whole body comes together and it, it, it meets the need of every person that is joined to. The same way that my, my, my wrist is connected to my arm and together they work together to make it happen. Let, let me put it like this and show you why we intentionally bring lives together. Because meaningful relationships means that we encourage one another. And I'm going to show you guys intentionally what this looks like, meaningful what this looks like. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11b, edify one another even as also ye do. Edify, build each other up. 
Boy, that's a lost concept, especially in the world that we're living in today. Building each other up, giving somebody something positive to grow on and live by. The Bible says we genuinely love each other. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. The Bible says that we provoke one another. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. The Bible says that we carry each other during hard times. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How about this one? The Bible says that we confront one another. And like, oh, I don't, yeah, we confront one another. Lloyd, I use you as my illustration. If I saw that it's something that, that wasn't right or I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, I'm going to come up and be like, hey, where you been, buddy? You say, well, that's none of your business. I'll tell you what the Christian life is getting all up in people's business. Amen. You, some of you would not have been in the past messes you've been in if you let somebody get up in your business. We have this thing with this protectiveness of, man, look, look at what Jesus did over and over again. Look at what he says in this passage. Warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient towards all men. Something about letting people love on you and be there with you and support you and love you and call you out. If you're not on track, and that's not good. Guys, a lot of us would have our marriages still put together if we had other people calling us out on us being lazy in our duties, our ministries. We confront one another. We restore one another. Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken a fault, he which are spiritual, restore such a one with a spirit of meekness. It's in the Bible. The Bible says we're to sharpen one another. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. You know, you know what that is? You know how iron sharpens iron? Confrontation. It means two things coming in contact and knocking off the edges to where the end product is they were better than then when they started. He said, wow, I didn't know this was church. Yeah, I just, that's church. That stuff that I just told you is church. If this was practice, we'd have a lot less casualties. A lot less people. Whether you're in a Sunday school class, a small group, a life group, or wherever it's at, you need to intentionally be engaged in the lives of other people. We share life together purposefully, engaging in meaningful relationships. But we finish with core value number eight. We thank God for our heritage and pursue the future with faith. See, our church has a very rich heritage. 51 years of history of being here at FBC. 51 years of God working in Columbus, Ohio. And let me tell you, if you look at that as no big deal, you are wrong. That is very special for us to be in some place where God has worked for 51 years. But let me tell you guys, without apology, we honor our heritage. We take time to look back. We thank God for what he has done. We thank God for every... Guys, let me tell you, everything you see around here didn't just happen. You know what I'm saying? You know how some of you guys, your kids think that the laundry just automatically gets folded and put on their beds, you know? The dishes not automatically, they go to bed and fairies sweep in and clean all the dishes and put them up in the cabinets. And, you know, you're just thinking, I wish the kids would understand that it takes work and it takes effort and, and sacrifice. Let me tell our generation, everything you see didn't just happen overnight, it came, it happened as a result of somebody giving of themselves for the sake of other people. Allow me to illustrate this in the Old Testament. Turn with you and we'll, we'll finish with this in Joshua chapter 4. Cool passage. So here's a story of what's going on is um, 
The children of Israel have just done an amazing thing that's almost a replica of what they went through before. The first time was with the Red Sea. The second time that they crossed the water was through the Jordan. One was a sea, one was a river. So the water was flowing down, except Joshua was leading this time. It says in Joshua 4.1, And it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe uh, a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. And Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord into the midst of Jordan, and take up every man you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And you say, why is he doing this? It was important. Verse 6, that this may be a sign among you, that even your children ask their fathers to time to come, saying, what means ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, and in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark covenant stood, and they were there until this day. When we look back, Joshua saying, "Men, build these stones up, and they start getting the guys together, and they said, every time we come to this, I want to be symbolic of what God did. Because you realize every time we sit there as a church and we look back at our heritage and we show pictures and we have the history wall and all that, it's not a matter of dwelling in the past. But it is a matter of looking back saying, I'll tell you what, we need to learn from the past of what it took to get where we're at in the present. Because you realize that that's why we send our kids to school for for history. Because we learn from our mistakes and we learn from our successes. Do you know how they crossed over Jordan? Well, you guys know the story that they had to take the Ark of the Covenant when the priests were in the water. God split the water. Can I tell you guys, when they built that memorial and they they came upon it at Gilgal 100, 200, 300 years later, and they were like, hey, Dad, why are these stones here? So, oh, son, let me tell you a story. See, here's the thing. There was a time that God was leading us somewhere else. And I'll tell you, we hit a spot that we could not face. And God waited until we stepped into the water. And and you know why I'm on the subject, son? Let me tell you this. God's never going to do great things for your generation until you learn to step into the water and have faith in God. And you're never going to experience the greatness of God and the power of God if you don't learn to have faith. And these stones remind us that we, we were people of faith and we trusted God and we followed God even when it did not make sense. You see, we look back on our heritage to remember what God has done. That there is power in the hand of God. And there's power in the leading of God. I don't know about you. I don't want my Christian life to be about past stories. Does anybody else feel that same way? And I'm thankful that Pastor Denoff had that to carry and pass on to our generation. But I can't wait to have our own stories to pass on to the next generation. Shouldn't it be about, well, that's when God was working and that's when God quit. God doesn't quit. We quit. It's not a matter of God quitting doing his work or God losing his power. God doesn't lose his power. So here, turn a couple chapters. Let let me show you what happens. We we learn from that. We learn about the power of God, the presence of God. We we honor our heritage. We thank God for it. We praise him for it. 
But then we move forward by faith. Yes, God told them to build a memorial, but God didn't say stay there and live at the memorial. We have to thank God for our heritage. But it doesn't stop there. See Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. When they crossed over Jordan. They built a memorial. They looked up and was like oh my goodness. There's Jericho. I'm going to tell you guys. Jericho was something that they've never faced before. They've been in the, they've been in the wilderness with no food. They faced a, a tyrant that they had to have ten plagues. They could tell you about the ten plagues. They, they could tell you about crossing the Red Sea. They could tell you about crossing the Jordan, but nobody could tell you about dropping the walls of a city. See, I'm going to tell you that every generation faces their own challenges. And they weren't sitting back saying, well, if it was a Red Sea, I know God would do it. And God says, well, I I did that then, but I'm going to do this now. I'm not done just because of splitting the Red Sea. I'm going to show you something else. Come here. Let me show you what I'm going to do at Jericho. Guys, we're facing challenges that other generations didn't face, but we still have the same God. God has not given up on us. I don't, I don't care what politicians are leading or what changes are being made or what opposition is are coming our way. The God that split the Red Sea is the, the God that's about to drop the walls of Jericho. That's what God does. Let me tell you, churches die when they decide to camp out at Jordan and not pursue after Jericho. There's a danger when a church has no vision. There is a danger when we live in the past and we have no vision for the future. And death will come to the body of Christ that does not move forward for the glory of God. See, it was God that had a plan. It was God that led them. It was God that opened the door. And it was God that gave them the instructions to mark around the city. I want to say with all due respect, if we're going to honor the past, then we build upon what they gave us. We don't sit there and let it collect dust. A foundation is set to build up upon to make things stronger and to move forward. This is not a museum to remind us of the past. It's a hospital to rescue those of, our, of today. And I love what we have here. But I tell you, we're not going to sit on it and sit there and just talk about stories of what God has done, which we should do. But I want to have vision for what God will do as we move forward. So I ask you this question. Are you part of the body of Christ? And if you are, everything that I have talked about from the beginning of us standing on truth, we've got to give truth. And us giving out the gospel, we've got to give out the gospel. When I talk about we're a growing family, we are the growing family. And if we're going to keep growing, it's because every person in here that's got a pulse is going to walk out of here and tell other people and bring other people in. We're going to make a priority out of relationships. We're going to connect one another. We're going to call each other out. We're going to provoke one another. We're going to be there for one another. We're going to bear each other's burdens. We're going to intentionally do those things. And we're going to move forward for the glory of God. Because I can tell you, I look forward and I can see that the sun's going down. And when Jesus said, I've got to work the work while it's day because the night cometh when no man can work. And I see the sun's going down. And I'm not going to dare sit there and go, well, let's sit here until Jesus comes. You know, that's kind of the mindset that sometimes we have. I'd rather raise the banner high and say, let's charge forward for the glory of God. 